The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations focuses on helping leaders innovate how they lead or update how they lead in response to the massive amount of change that we're facing. My work is as an executive advisor, speaker, coach, and author of an award-winning book series focusing on helping leaders do just that, to innovate. I teach in a couple of universities in the U.S. and also in Europe, and our organization, Metcalf & Associates, works with organizations large-scale to both help leaders innovate also transform their organizations. So it's the combination of innovation and transformation that really is the differentiator. Today we have the great pleasure of working with Thea Polancic. She's a passionate advocate for the power of business to transform the world. She's the managing partner of ClearSpace, a Chicago-based consulting firm that helps leaders, teams, and organizations grow and thrive. She's also the founder and chair of the Chicago chapter of Conscious Capitalism. Thea is focused on business as a force for good in the world, and she was also the chair of the Global Conscious Capitalism Conference that just happened in Chicago in April. So as we think about leaders innovating, I talk often about the volume of change we're facing right now and going forward. So in in this century, Ray Kurzweil... Uh, MIT professor and also the chief um, engineer at Google talks about the rate of technology change being 20,000 times more in this century than the last. And so when we think about that, we're talking about things like printing replacement organs and all kinds of solutions to epidemics that we face. We're also facing challenges like what are the moral questions behind Uh, replacement organs and cloning and things like that. So there's, in my mind, a great pull for leaders to continue to stay current so that they are prepared personally and organizationally to lead forward and create firms that continue to thrive in this very dynamic context. And so the idea of conscious capitalism for me is quite an interesting one in that as millennials especially are in our workforce, they're looking for something different than many of those of us who are older. And so conscious capitalism for me is in part an opportunity to attract and retain 
and position our organizations to continue to thrive long-term. So today's focus with Thea is learning more about conscious capitalism from a hardcore business lens. So people start businesses to make a difference in the world, and they have an impulse to solve a need when they're starting the business. Over time, we as business owners and executives often move toward our primary purpose as profit generation and protection of the business. So what conscious capitalism is about is returning to the roots of doing something that matters beyond making money. In no way is it saying that making money is not important. In fact, it's still the lifeblood of the organization. So it's a move to a a both from focusing on money or focusing on purpose to focusing on both simultaneously. So there are more people starting businesses now because they want to do something that matters. And so this movement or philosophy allows businesses to transform and create this competitive advantage based on purpose, again, that will will drive revenue. So, Thea, thank you so much for joining us. Can you give us a little bit more about your background, and then let's move into the foundation of what is conscious capitalism? Sure. Thank you. And, Maureen, it's just a pleasure to be with you today, so thanks for having me on your show. Uh, So my background is I spend a lot of my time with CEOs, and uh, leaders of teams to try to help them become higher-performing organizations, higher-performing leadership teams, higher-performing executives. And along the, the course of that journey, what has happened is that the nature of the conversation about what business is for has shifted. And so it used to be the assumption that we're all here to win and to make more money, and now the assumption is we're here to win and make more money because we like the game of business, but we have to be up to something that's more meaningful for a lot of different reasons. So our conversation with our clients is no longer just about how do we be as effective as possible and efficient as as possible in terms of collaborating in the face of complexity or strategy to execution. It's also how do we create more meaningful relationships with each other, with all of our stakeholders, and how do we grow and develop ourselves as leaders to handle what the complexity that the world around us is beginning to reflect. So sometimes what we do sounds, feels like leadership development. Sometimes it's helping organizations create their culture. Sometimes it's just about getting stuff done. And, um, and then my, my other day job is with a, a great team of people. We're the volunteer leadership team for the Chicago chapter of Conscious Capitalism, which is one of more than 40 chapters worldwide. We're the first in the world. And we were founded in, in 2009 and then re, um, reformulated as Conscious Capitalism in 2013 as that organization kind of caught up with where we were here locally in Chicago. And we produce events every other month for um, that are learning events and social events in the intervening months. We have a and CEO breakfast. So we're really trying to move forward our commitment that by the year 2030, business creates a world of beauty, prosperity, and happiness in Chicago. And in order to do that, we produce events and have membership in order to engage more and more people in that conversation. So those are the two big things that keep up, that keep me busy, at least during the day. It sounds like and you're modeling what you talk about, right? That it's purposeful. Yes. Uh, it actually, you know, the big awakening for me was in 2009, which is kind of why that 
why that's the year that the Chicago chapter got started. In 2009, I embarked on my own purpose journey because I saw for myself as a leader that just trying to be a successful business owner was not going to keep me engaged. It was going to get boring, you know, kind of like, okay, here we go again. Let's set goals and then let's spend a year knocking ourselves out trying to achieve them and then we get to where we get to and then at the end of the year we do it all over again. And um, I knew that it was time I needed a bigger purpose and a bigger reason for doing what I was doing. And so the result of that purpose journey on my part um, caused me to launch an organization just to begin to get more leaders involved in business as a force for good here in the Chicago area. And um, and happily, my both of my lives sort of converged, and, and it feels as if I'm kind of swimming all in the same thing all day long now and not like I have two separate things. So let's move into the pillars of conscious capitalism because I hear things like force for good and personal purpose and business purpose and that idea of significant alignment. And I'm thinking that visiting the the four pillars specifically will help us connect what you're doing with the conscious capitalism framework. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the conscious capitalism is a movement that was started by John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, along with some of his peers, Herb Kelleher from Southwest Airlines, Kip Tindall from the Container Store, uh, and leaders like that who all felt powerfully about not only did they have an, uh, a responsibility to use their business leverage to make a difference in the world, but they, they also had an extraordinary opportunity that, if you think about it, if you really want to make an impact, it's not about earning a lot of money and then retiring and then starting a nonprofit. It's using your, your instead of starting a $100 million endowment for a nonprofit, which could maybe employ 20 people annually, it's about using your $100 million company to actually make a difference in the world. And, um, and so that, became the, that was the beginning of the conscious capitalism movement. And now it is a global movement that produces the Conscious Capitalism, Inc. is a nonprofit that produces two big events every year. One is the CEO Summit, which is that, that gathering of John and his peers has now grown into a gathering of 200 CEOs who converge every year on Austin. Um, to learn from each other and, and move their, their own businesses forward. And then the annual conference, which you mentioned, which is open to everybody, and that is in April every year. And, um, and so the four basic ideas now, the, the kind of the philosophy of conscious capitalism as we express it now, is four, there are four pillars. So the first one is that you're purpose-driven that your organization has a greater reason for being than just making money. Now, does it mean it has to be in the area of world hunger or solving some sort of social ill? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, one of the organizations that's very closely aligned with conscious capitalism is Studio Movie Grill, and, and they do a lot. They're kind of in the southern, like Texas and the western states, and their purpose is opening hearts and minds one story at a time. So you could see that mm-hmm. people who come to work, they know – they know why they're going to work at Studio Movie Grill, which is a, a chain of movie theaters, high-end movie theaters. And they, they're engaged in that. And it's not just about, like, show up, get a paycheck, and make more money for the ownership. So you've got a purpose that unites people and that is greater, larger than just making money. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we know that organizations that are purpose-driven are more attractive to their ideal customers. They're more attractive to their ideal employees. They have much greater retention rates. 
and much higher levels of engagement. And these are all kind of hard measures that we know cost companies a lot of money when they're not working and are a real accelerator when they are working. So that's the first pillar is that you have a purpose greater than making money. So let me the ask second, a question here before you get yeah. to the second one. Because I've worked with a lot of companies who have purpose statements on their wall. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> um, so they would say we have a purpose, and yet when I attend a board meeting or am working with them in some cases, really they're not living the purpose. They're living the we're trying to hit quarterly earnings because mm-hmm. that's what public companies have to do. So can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. This is sort of a pet peeve of mine that you've landed on. Um, you know, it, when the whole sustainability thing about green and recycling, you know, came around, then what we saw after that was greenwashing. So companies saying, oh, you know, we recycle and, and using it as a branding, a kind of a hollow externally facing branding uh, strategy only and not really having it be some sort of authentic expression of what they do. And we're seeing what's going to happen is we're going to see the same thing with purpose, is that companies, the purpose thing is very, very hot right now. Videos like Simon Sinek's um, Start With Why and his work have, have created a lot of demand for this. Davos, we saw this was a big theme at Davos with Ariana Huffington and Richard Branson recently. And um, it's moving into the mainstream. And so what we're going to see now is companies adopting purpose statements as branding exercises that are primarily externally facing and yet still have a terrible culture and, you know, have unhappy employees. Um, so the difference is, though, you're, the, the customer knows the difference. They can uh-huh. tell if it's authentic or if, it, or if it's not. And that will be, you know, at the end of the day, customers are just too smart to know if you're trying to pull something over on them that's just a strategy. Perfect. Thank you, because it, it just it struck me that in Word specifically, Many organizations would say, "Well, I'm check. I've got that pillar, mm-hmm. but it, it may not be as simple as going through and coming up with a purpose statement. It really is mm-hmm. a realignment of mm-hmm. my mindset and my culture." Oh, yeah, and it also is not like fifty words. You know, it's not a mission statement. A purpose statement has maybe seven words in it. It's heartfelt. It's concise. It's, um, it is not an, an intellectual exercise like, you know, they used to have the Dilbert mission statement generator on the web. It's, you know, it's not descriptive. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of that out there, too, that, or people think that purpose or mission is just for nonprofits. And, and um, yeah. we're just finding that that's not true anymore. Cool. Thank you. So let's move to the second one. So the second pillar is about stakeholder value creation. This is similar also to Michael Porter, the strategy guru from Harvard Business School, his shared value initiative, very similar. Basically, the shift here is instead of focusing solely on creating value for the owners or for, for shareholders, we're shifting to creating value and measuring how well we're doing at creating value for all of our stakeholders and are we engaging them in our purpose. So if we stick with Studio Movie Grill, for instance, and their purpose of engaging, opening hearts and minds one story at a time, they would start by looking at typically their five stakeholder groups. There's owners and investors, of course, employees, customers, suppliers, and the community. And so then they would look at that stakeholder map and say, how are we doing at engaging each of these stakeholders in the difference we're trying to make in the world, and are we creating value for them? What's meaningful for them, too? 
So managing and leveraging that ecosystem to be a healthy ecosystem and not consistently putting the needs of one stakeholder ahead of everybody else. So this is really a balancing act in many ways. Yeah. It's, in some ways, it's easier to only be focused on trying to kind of drive one measure at the expense of other things, like quarterly earnings, and then all of the kind of wacky internal behavior that that drives in order to make those numbers work. Uh, it it is, takes a lot more complexity to be able to manage that as an ecosystem. So, so tying this back to the Leader 2050 framework and the idea that innovative leaders, one of the criteria is looking at cognitive complexity, that I have to understand the system as a whole or as an ecosystem, and that each lever I pull or push impacts the rest of the system, and so I have to be deliberate about the choices I make and understand how they're going to ripple through the entire organization and through the, the connected systems. Absolutely. I mean, in the face of, a, of an ever-increasing complex world, there are only two choices, either make the world less complex or make yourself more complex in order to handle that, the increasing complexity you see around you. And this is really is the critical issue for leaders of organizations now, is how do I grow that kind of leadership internally and, um, and, and retain it? Perfect. Let's, at this point, go to break. And we will be back with Sia talking about the four pillars of conscious capitalism. We've talked about the first two. We'll be right back after break. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You 
are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Thea. She's talking about conscious capitalism. We just finished talking about the first two elements, or first two pillars. The second one, and I want to re-highlight this, that as leaders, either we need to be more complex in response to a more complex world, or we need to reduce the complexity. And at least my experience is I don't have the power to reduce the complexity, so doing the work required to become more complex and deal with the complexity of the ecosystem is kind of my only only real option. Thea, what do you, does that resonate with you, or what do you oh, think? Yeah. You know, the, the State Department used to have a term that they just used to describe certain parts of the world, and it was an, it was a, an abbreviation that was called VUCA, V-U-C-A. Hmm. And it yeah. stood for Volatile, Uncertain, Complex, and Ambiguous. And I think we would all agree that that is no longer a definition of parts of the world. It is pretty much the job that we deal with on a daily basis. And um, so it's creating this need for us to upgrade our operating system, so to speak, in order to accommodate that. And, and that is really, so that's the third pillar of conscious capitalism is conscious leadership. And it's not just, uh, just um, you know, jargon to say conscious leadership. When we say conscious, we mean the ability to actually be present in the moment, moment by moment, as you are engaging with a stakeholder, as you are making a decision, considering the impact on the whole organization, able to step back and see the system at work, and not only think about that system, a la Peter Senge's work, mm-hmm. but also be able to feel what the system needs. So we know that conscious leaders of organizations like this now, as you know, Dan Pink said in his book, A Whole New Mind, it's not just about having the Harvard MBA, because more and more, the part of our brain that is about getting the right answers and doing the calculations and managing the numbers can more and more either be done overseas or by a computer. And the part that really differentiates us and differentiates our companies is the ability to create meaning and meaningful relationships and engage our customers and our employees in this sense of in the sense of meaning. So this is another piece of conscious leadership. And then the last kind of most one of the commonly referred to ways of looking at conscious leadership is this idea of a servant leader. So that kind of level five leader from Jim Collins, that combination mm. of humility and will, viewing leadership as a service that you are providing to the people who are your personal stakeholders who choose to follow you and your customers and, and uh, the investors of your company, your suppliers, really viewing that as a service that you're providing each day as opposed to an entitlement. So that's conscious leadership. That's the third one. I like the distinction between service and entitlement, that once I get to a certain level, I, I don't have the serfs working for me. It, it's that it's an interplay, and we are, we are interdependent upon one another for the organization's success and you know, to serve our clients and also to generate the income to pay our team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rand Stegen, so this, uh, Rand Stegen used to be the 
uh, chairman of Conscious Capitalism and is one of the founders. He runs a company in Texas called Stegen, S-T-A-G-E-N, and they have an integral leadership program for uh, CEO cohorts. And Rand has been famous for saying, CEOs get the organizations they deserve. So basically, conscious leadership means you have to see, you view the organization as a mirror of you, of your strengths and weaknesses, that it is inadequate to sit in a leadership role and look around you and say, what is wrong with these knuckleheads, and not see that you are the source of that. It's a brilliant point that, that in fact, we as leaders do create our organizations, and that, yes. that is the connection between innovating who I, who I am as a leader, so not just what I do, but it really is an inside job of who I am, then what I do drives my organization. Yeah, and John Mackey is famous for saying that, you know, he can tell when he needs a breakthrough because there's something in Whole Foods that's irritating him, mm-hmm. or vice versa, when he goes off and has a breakthrough, then then the organization experiences that. That shows up somehow in the business. It may not seem direct at first, but it really is that that if you are listening to this and you're the CEO, there's your organization is a map of your strengths and weaknesses. And the only way every time you want to create growth, enhance performance, the first place is to go inward. Yeah, and you and I are on the same page and actually have studied and worked with the same folks because I also had some involvement with Rand early on at Stegen. Hmm. Um, Awesome. so, So back to pillar then number four. What is that? So the last piece is a conscious culture, and what that really means is that you'll hire and fire for values, that you have company values that are not just aspirational, they're not just etched into the windows of the conference rooms or hanging above, you know, posters of of engaged teams on the walls, but that they are translated into behaviors and that those behaviors are, are, are the basis for performance reviews, for hiring, for firing. You know, that basically you can't be a jerk and make your numbers and still be around here, that, that we will let you go even if you're a high performer if you don't walk the talk of the culture. And um, we know that inside those cultures, you just end up with employees who are raving fans, will help you, you know, will pull together if you go through a downturn and they've got to find ways. There's an organization that I've been working with now who is going through a soft spot in their market, and some market forces are changing. And instead of saying, okay, well, we're going to have to cut costs in advance and we need to downsize, they were able to engage their culture in saying, what are the creative ways that we can find to make the business more successful and more efficient? And their people naturally stepped up and and came up with all kinds of creative ways because they had already created a culture where people felt like they owned it, but also they felt like they had the freedom to be able to be authentic about what was working and what wasn't working. So a conscious culture is that last piece, and and there are some great resources out there around that. You know, um, Ann Rhodes' work with Southwest Airlines and with JetBlue. She's got um, a great book. I'm trying. I'll think of it in a minute. But it, her last name is Rhodes. R H O A D E S. And um, that's a really great place to start if you're looking at like how do we engage our company in in creating a more conscious culture. And the other resource I would share, and we have several interviews with, is the organizational vibrancy work of Jim Ritchie Dunham, oh, uh, who is a Harvard researcher and has a 
a highly effective assessment tool. And at least I, I really tend to prefer assessments because it helps us understand as we're assessing a large group, not only what do I see as the leader or the consultant, but what what is the voice of, again, our stakeholders mm-hmm. as in employees? And we could certainly do it with clients as well. What are they seeing mm-hmm. from us? Oh, it's you're pointing to something that's so powerful. Um, the organizations, some of the organizations I know through Conscious Capitalism have actually gotten together groups of stakeholders and have and have asked them like what could we be doing together and doing better and have really engaged their stakeholders in kind of surfacing opportunities together and so if you think about how powerful would it be for your business if you actually had one of your suppliers in the room who you really cared about a key customer who you really cared about you know an employee who is was a real leader in the organization your ownership or investment, especially if it's think about if it's if you've got outside investment and a community leader who interacts with your business in some way, just to have those people sitting together talking about all talking about what your business could do to be a greater force in the world, to be more successful and to thrive. Really powerful. I'm just imagining that being an advisory board. Yeah, yeah, and you could turn that into an advisory board. I mean, that could be a really powerful, it's a great idea. Because I think most of us over-preference one of those stakeholder sets. Mm -hmm. And if we're public, we over-preference the financial because we live and die by our financials. Yeah, unless you're exciting people like Paul Pullman, the CEO of Unilever, who when he took over the reins, one of the first things he said was, we are no longer publishing quarterly earnings guidance. If you want to... I knew that he did, but I don't know of anyone else who has. Um, you know what? Somebody else did it recently, and I'm just trying to remember. I'm blanking on who it was that I just read about. But, um, I mean, they basically, the perspective is if you want to own our stock, you're in it for the long run with us. We have a long-term vision, mm-hmm. and we don't maximize things in three-month cycles. So if you don't want that, then you should not own our stock. You should own somebody else's stock. Interesting. It's really powerful. So from here, let's talk about how to, what would I do to implement this? So say I'm a CEO or a senior executive. Um, let's say I'm not a publicly traded company because that takes a, a bunch of people <laughs> out. Um, I am profitable. Let's say that. Um, what, what is the business case for me to do? Why are you seeing people say, we're making money, we're doing well, we want to now transition to become conscious about how we're doing our business. And not that if we don't do conscious capitalism, it doesn't mean we're unconscious. So I, I want to mm-hmm. be conscious no, no, no. Absolutely not. Um, it's not. We're certainly not about there being a right way. It's more about more and more businesses being engaged in, in, in doing business in a way that is sustainable for, for everybody. Um, and, sustain, and most importantly, sustainable for that business and the impact it wants to make in the long term. So why do this? Why is, it, why is it showing up? And I love the, the pragmatic nature of your question because I personally am, am not somebody who's naturally drawn to things that are perceived as woo-woo. And so, you know, it, this all has to make sense for me at a, a very concrete business level if I'm going to advocate for it and if I'm going to engage in it. So some of the things that, 
you know, there are a couple things. There's, this is happening for a reason. It's not because a group of people got together and decided, hey, this is the right way to do things, and so let's just get everybody to do it our way. Um, there are some important things that have happened, and um, especially since 1989, which was a real tipping point, the invention of the Internet has caused information to be more ubiquitous in greater quantities than anybody could have ever perceived. You know, you cannot roll out a terrible product now and not get backlash within 24 hours, just like Bank of America had to roll back their checking account changes because of the incredible social media backlash. So the Internet has caused a real change in the, the sensibilities of how we do business. There are also, as of 1989, there are more adults over 40 than under 40. And that causes a, a shift in our sensibilities as adults towards purpose and values. It's just what the second half of our lives is like. Um, the other thing that's happening is there are more and more women in leadership positions, and more and more, um, more and more buying decisions are influenced by women. And so we're seeing a shift towards more socially oriented feminine values of care and love and compassion and a desire mm-hmm. for that in business. And then obviously the millennials are an incredible force. They're officially, I read last week, more millennials in the workforce now than anybody else. And, um, and they are coming out as the most socially conscious generation since the 1960s. So they are, I used to say cable ready, but then that just shows how terribly outdated I am. But they are kind of popping out. They're popping out like wireless Bluetooth enabled as kids for purpose and values. So, um, so we're seeing that there's a real, a real trend that drive, that's driving this from the outside. There's a reason this is occurring and why the movement has taken off and why it's sort of exploding worldwide. Um, so what does that mean for the business owner? It means that if you have a product-facing company or a customer-facing company, you're already feeling it. You're feeling it in um, the impact of consumers and the way that they want to relate to your product. Uh, 80%, 85% of millennials will change jobs or change products based on identification with purpose or values. So if you're not feeling it on the customer side, then your customers' customers may be feeling it if you're B2B. And then on the... Um, on the employee side, you may be feeling it on, like, okay, we've got a senior leadership team that is predominantly male and white, and then they're over 55, and when that group leaves, who is the next generation of leaders, and why would we have, why would this business continue to exist 50 years from now, or 40 years from now, or 20 years from now? Well, we've got to be able to attract um, the, the best talent from the youngest generations and be able to retain them. Um, so you're feeling it from an employee side, and then... You know, you may be feeling it just from a peer set. More and more we hear about this. I mean, this conversation is very hot in organizations like Young President's Organization and Entrepreneur's Organization and um, World President Organization. You know, so it may be your peers are starting to talk about it, and you're saying, hmm, maybe I should find out more about what this is. So we're, we're seeing that there are a lot of different reasons that, that companies are getting into taking the plunge. So it sounds like... From a business case, the one that resonated most is with half of the workforce now being millennials, I really need to create an environment that attracts and retains a workforce that will replace our folks who will be retiring in the next 10 years. Yeah. And that this idea of consciousness and purpose and the other is attending to my multiple stakeholders, 
that my stakeholders will come to me as an organization if they feel like they're cared for. Yeah, I mean, just think about it. If you've got customers who are so highly engaged in your organization and your organization's purpose in the world, that they would say no to doing business with somebody else, that is a significant source of competitive advantage. And, um, you know, so that's one of the things that we're seeing, too, is that, um, you know, anything you do can really be replicated pretty quickly. A lot of the, the things that used to be a source of long-term competitive advantage just aren't anymore. And so we have to have reasons to create enduring relationships with customers and with suppliers and with employees, or else it's just too expensive. It costs us money in terms of turnover. Just think about how expensive it is to do business with people you don't trust and the amount that your organization may have to spend on legal fees. Think about how much, how much energy. One example that mm-hmm. comes to mind is Ty Lee from SHI. Uh, and we interviewed her in the CIO Tomorrow conference interview. Uh, and specifically, she talked extensively about how they hire a very high level of retention, promoting from within, training employees as a whole person, knowing that they're going to leave, especially millennials, mm-hmm. and encouraging them to, when they leave to, to come back so yeah. that they come back uh, more well-rounded mm-hmm. and that the company gets the full circle benefit of their training. And they're in customer retention is huge as well. Mm-hmm. So while, while I have not heard them talk about themselves as a conscious capitalism organization, they certainly demonstrate those values, and it's helped that organization go from $100 million to $7 billion in mm. a bit over a decade, but that's huge. And yeah. it seems that the CEO, Ty Lee, is demonstrating those values that you're talking about. I'm going to use this as a point to go on break. We will be right back. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Thea talking about conscious capitalism. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, 
online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're with Maureen and Thea. Let's start this segment with, if I'm interested, what do I do? What are the concrete next steps I can take to move myself forward and to move my organization forward? Well, I think that, you know, there, there are a few different ways to answer that question. I mean, the, the short, easy answer is you can always go to consciouscapitalism.org. That's a great place to start. There are a lot of videos. There are a lot of resources. It's sort of a gateway to more information about the CEO Summit, if that's appropriate for you in your role, or the annual conference. It's, it's a great place to start that learning journey. Um, and then the, the longer and the more complicated answer is you can start, really, you can kind of start anywhere. So it may be that I feel like one leader that we've worked with here in Chicago, Mark Blackman, is the CEO of a company called Gold Eagle Brands, and they produce Stabil, which is a fuel additive, and they have absolutely rabid fans. Like they had, they have created a website because they followed the passion of their customers. They now have a website that they host that has 100,000 lawnmower racers on it who, like, who generate the website and upload photos and engage with each other, and they're so passionate about this brand. Um, so they're perfect examples of like rabidly engaged customer stakeholders. Uh, on, on what is a lubricants company. So, again, also not mm-hmm. kind of, you know, as John would, Mackey would say, not a hippie grocer company. And so here you've got a, a very Midwestern product, a manufacturer of lubricants. And, and, but where they started was that, that Mark had done his own work about his personal purpose, and then he realized we really need to have that kind of clarity for our organization, that kind of what is our North Star and what do we say yes to and what do we say no to and how can we be more congruent and so he engaged his leadership team in figuring that out. And one of the things that where they started, it was very pragmatic. It wasn't, you know, we need to have a purpose because we're going to do conscious capitalism. What he said to them was, we are embarking on a process where we want to grow by acquiring brands that we think are aligned with what we do and, and with our value proposition. And unless we're clear about what we stand for, we're going to waste a lot of time in that process pursuing companies that really we shouldn't, we shouldn't even be bothering wasting any time with. And so for them, purpose was a way of driving their M&A activity, which I thought was very powerful. Yeah, let me jump in here because I have an example as well. Uh, Mike Sayer, who is the CEO of Next Defense, and he, see, so he also started mm-hmm. doing his own personal work, was in an organization that had an exit event. He left looking for the next organization to run, and that sense of personal purpose was really what attracted him to Next Defense. How does who I am, 
line up with the organization. So that was his North Star as well, and selected an organization where there was close alignment. And and he used it, I believe, to grow a slightly different path than the M&A path. But but interesting Mm -hmm. that both of these are starting with the CEO as, as doing their own personal work first. That's a great point, Maureen, and that that's sort of the other piece of this is that, you know, you can look at where which of these pieces is most important for the organization. Do I want to start with values and just getting really clear behavioral values? Do I want to start with the purpose of the organization? Maybe we just want to start with creating a stakeholder map and see if we can make those bubbles and, and have as a leadership team a conversation about how well are we doing at creating value and measuring value creation for these all of our stakeholders. Where where do we feel like we're having to make trade-offs? That could be a powerful place to start. And but that ultimately... Map is, is not insignificant, right? As we, as we shift from we're in business to make a profit, mm-hmm. which, which has been the mindset of many of us, and again, in a for-profit business, that tends to be the primary driver. Mm-hmm. It's a significant shift in the way I think about the work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let's be clear, too. We're not talking about this as the expense of profit. Goldman Sachs, those wide-eyed hippies at Goldman Sachs said that businesses that do business this way outperform their same-sector peers by 75%. So we're talking about all of this as an escalator of profit. Like The mm-hmm. whole goal here is that your, your investor stakeholder at the end of the day is much happier than they would have been otherwise. And even when you're you are navigating turbulent times, like Whole Foods has gone through recently, Chipotle's going through it right now. I mean, you, if you read just the analysis of Chipotle, they're talking about some of the setbacks that they've dealt with, but they're also talking about how forgiving their customer stakeholder base is of them having setbacks because of how highly engaged they are with them as a company and how deeply they care or, or are aligned with the purpose and values of that organization. Um, so yeah, it's not a it's not a simple task, but the place that you have to start really is with yourself. And that that's kind of where you were pointing to, Maureen, is you know, we companies typically say, I want to get my organization from scrambling to scaling. I feel like we're too reactive and we have to grow and I want to create more growth and and more ability to drive scale. Well, in order for that to happen, the leadership team has to shift its leadership of the organization and how that group even interacts with each other. That's a lot of the work that we do at ClearSpace is helping create leadership teams of peer-to-peer accountability where they really are like an interdependent basketball team and not a group of bowlers all in their own lanes. And then, But in, in order for the leadership team to shift, the CEO or the president has got to shift. And that internal shift, I have to look inside myself first and either do my purpose work or do a 360 and find out how reactive am I and um, where do I need to go to work? Where am I actually unconsciously driving some of the behavior in my organization that I am trying to get, trying to, to get rid of? Um, but because unless you've done that work, I was just speaking to CEO of an organization that's probably at about the 10 million mark now, and um, I've been with them ever since they were created. And, um, you know, unless... Unless it starts, he and I were talking about how we're, we're about ready to embark on this kind of um, conscious culture work with his organization because they are about ready to grow dramatically. And he, he knows the place he has to start is, is he has to do his own 
internal purpose and values work and be clear about that because otherwise when he gets up to speak to his organization about why are we doing this and why are we taking the time and why is it important, he won't have a leg to stand on. So, and it'll come off as branding. You know, whatever they create will end up being, you know, adapted and we'll, we'll get... The, the, the Dilbert mission statement creator was created because if you're not... If you're not creating a purpose that resonates with you first, then you try to create something that's sort of socially defined and that meets, that you think will be completely palatable and inoffensive to anybody who hears it outside your organization. And so then we end up with these terrible mission statements that are just filled with jargon and are meaningless for people. So you've got to start, that's about, the other place to okay. start is with yourself. So you talked about purpose, and then there's also the 360, and it seems mm-hmm. like those need to be combined that I'm clear within myself, and I'm also clear that what I think, the conversation I'm having with myself in my head is the same conversation other people are hearing from me, right? (laughs) That I don't think I'm purpose-driven and everyone else thinks I'm an idiot. Yeah, you can think... You can think that you are the most, um, you know, kind of noble, purpose-driven person out there, and then you find out that your employees think that, you, you know, they hear you say that, and then they see very specific behaviors that are to the contrary that may even be hidden from you, where you're unwittingly reinforcing the opposite. And and so, you know, we're big fans of Bob Anderson's Leadership Circle 360, and and he he really makes the point that in order to shift from this reactive culture of firefighting and fear-driven, playing not to lose, and the kind of wacky compliance or, or controlling behaviors that we see in organizations, in order to shift from that to the real kind of powerful playing-to-win aligned kind of culture and leadership and at mm-hmm. a personal level for the CEO, that the thing that – one thing that helps you make that shift is being clear about what your purpose is. So – they really are kind of like a how and a what conversation. And we use the same, also use the leadership circle, and for similar reason, that Mm -hmm. who I am inside and how I'm behaving needs to be aligned. And the the use of data to really quantify where I think I'm aligned, but in fact other people don't see it in me, is Mm -hmm. an incredibly powerful set of conversations for us to have with leaders. Yeah, and and this sort of brings us full circle. I mean, one of the things I really love about that particular tool and all the research that's gone into it is that it also is very highly and sophisticatedly, statistically correlated to to business performance. So there is a direct correlation between making that kind of a shift in yourself and in your leadership team and your organization and whether you are going to be in the top 10% of performing businesses in the world or the bottom 10% performing businesses in the world. So we love that, you know, where, again, it's just not this like rainbows and unicorns kind of stuff. And this is is pragmatic. It's bottom line driven. And if you're not clear about how it's bottom line driven in your organization, then start there and figure out what the business case for it is. Because otherwise it it will seem as if it's a nice to have, but at the end of the day, you know, when you really, when you do hit white water, it'll be the first thing you throw out the window is the culture instead of having it be a thing that allows you to address white water in a way that's more meaningful for the business. So, so I want to make the distinction because we've talked about the 360 for leader behaviors. The leadership circle also does some culture work, and mm-hmm. the vibrancy assessment is also a powerful culture tool if we wanted to use a different one. All of these 
tie very directly back to the four pillars and are all quantified or all correlated with organizational profit. So I think it, it's a nice tie back to mm-hmm. there are four pillars and there are tools to help us assess them. And the tools tell us that by doing, quote, the right thing, according to conscious capitalism, drives customer value and drives profit. So, th- yep. again, this isn't a woo-woo approach. It's or a nice-to-do because we want people to be happy. It really is driving value for the organization through a, creating a very different kind of place to work. Yeah, it's a, it's a both-and, and I think that's one of the the hallmarks of, of conscious leadership is that you can shift from either or thinking, like either profit or purpose, or either we make yeah. the customer happy or we make our employees happy. This ability to shift towards the way nature is really aligned, which is more like both and. I mean, things are simple and complex. You know, it is um, the world, it, it is purpose and profit. We don't either care about people or hold them accountable. We want to care about people and hold them accountable at the same time. Right, so that, and that, that, I mean, I'm assuming that you're going to provide, potentially provide footnotes for people. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the time for you to give your contact information so people yeah. can do a little more research because we've got about a minute left. Yeah, so, sure. So 30 seconds. I'm happy to answer any questions that anybody has. My email address is T as in Tom, P as in Paul, O-L-A-N-C-I-C at clearspace, just like it sounds, dot net. I was delighted to be on a call with David Allen not long ago, and his, he repeated several times, like, the beauty of clear space. And I was just like, can, we, can you record that for our website? Um, so clearspace.net is our website. You also can find out more about what I'm up to on my LinkedIn page by just searching for Thea Durfee Polancic or Thea Polancic. And then you can find out more about the Chicago chapter. If you're here in Chicago, for, for Pete's sake, let us know. And Great, it's, thank you. It's ConsciousCapitalismChicago.org. So thank you, everyone, for joining Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today you've heard Thea Polancic talk about conscious capitalism and specifically the takeaways of there are four main pillars. Each of those can be measured and quantified and that by following this approach, we create better end customer results, better employee experience, better overall stakeholder experience, and all of that drives more sustainable, long-term thriving, profitable organizations. Thank you for joining us. I can be reached at info at metcalf-associates.com. Please send questions or recommendations for future shows. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 